listener production. Opening tune there, the new opening tune composed by uh, who? Who did that for us? Stefan Alexanderish. Stefan Alexanderish. That's a great opening tune. So thank you, Stefan, for uh, ripping out that tune. Um, yeah, thank you. Punched uh, it right out of the box. That one. For first time listeners to the to Popcorn Junkies, uh, this is a podcast for people who love. Movies, yeah, not, movies, you know, uh, cinema, yeah, yeah, pop yeah, culture, yeah, yeah. movies, fun. cinema, film, uh, moving images, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the silver screen, the silver, the screen. silver screen, but not just for people who are interested in those things. People in the biz as mm-hmm. well, because mm-hmm. we do a lot of biz talk. We're talking about behind the scenes, not just what's on the screen. What's mm. behind the scenes? Cinema news. Who's and we're not fucking who. And we're not pretentious either here yeah. on Popcorn Junkies. We, uh, we love we'll talk films. about a, 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 a movie starring James Rogers as mm. much as we'll mm. talk about a movie mm. starring Jeanette mm. Dram. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. Here on uh, the Movie Junkie podcast, we don't uh, discriminate. Mm-mm. Even no. you know, even if it's like a summer hit like uh, The Five Tacos um, or something that was a big flop like... Uh, green boys go to Washington. It, it doesn't matter what kind of film it is. Well, we're going to talk is, about it. It might not have made the money or, or gotten that tomato meter rating, but uh, Green Boys Go to Washington. I think we all agree it was one of the best movies of, of 2015. Uh, un- undoubtedly, we reviewed five. We went to the pictures this week. We saw five films. Five. We did see films. five. Five home at once. Yeah, we we said we didn't have enough time. Um, we said yeah, we're busy. running short on time. It's Christmas. So, yeah, so if you could just chuck all those boys just on top of each other in one cinema, it was a you know it was a five hundred seat, a big cinema, but uh, we rented out the whole place, mm-hmm. and they just put them all on at once. And I will tell you what, it was a delight. We got it five was... films to review today, and we want you to go out and see some of them. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> Not at once some like we them. did. <laughs> I should say. I should say. See some of them. Let's it was a just nightmare. Say, uh, a director, a not director with the initials VN um, is not going to be happy with today's <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about Vance Newington. <laughs> no, 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 definitely no. not, definitely not. Uh, Vance Newington, a uh, friend of the podcast, um, he uh, actually, his, uh, his, scribble, his scribble campaign, if you jump on scribble.com, he is two-thirds of the way to his campaign goal to make his new film. We so hope Vance, We hope Vance is listening. Let's play the sting for our first review. Captain Midnight is set in 1946, just after the end of the war. A young man who's come back from war has found his family has moved to New Orleans from St. Louis. And they're all dead. They're all dead. This is a story of a man who becomes the Captain of Midnight, a man whose job it is to go around to all the lamps in the town and set them alight. And Mm. 
He meets a very special young girl played by Christina Ken. Oh, Christina Ken is exceptional in this movie. Um, definitely, definitely uh, one of the movie's highlights is the Christina Ken performance. Christina Ken in this is probably going to get nominated for a Calpo. If she gets nominated, like I think her and uh, um, Samuel Ridiger. Who did an incredible Ooh, character? And he was coming just—he was coming just off the uh, Christie Award-winning performance on on uh, Broadway, uh, where he performed, <laughs> where he performed in the absolutely fantastic play by the work. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, written by uh, Stephen uh, Stephen. Stephen, 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 and has, has, I think this couple, is his English couple, language debut. Am I right in saying that? It this is, is Pete it Pete's is. English language debut. That's and right. He's, he's been writing in Farsi up until now. His work with Farsi. the performers was was incredible. I mean, the the subtlety hmm. of he's uh, the their only he's the only working robot director. He is because that's how subtle he is. So subtle that when he turns up on set, everyone's like, "The camera's here," but. Where's the director? And, then, and, you have, and the actors have to and one by one go. To, yeah. Someone says, "No, that's not the camera. That no. is a robot director with the camera built in. That He's is a the robot first director, built-in camera robot director." And he doesn't give direction as much as he gives beeps and boops. And, yeah. and the other, I mean, the other big problem. I mean, a lot of people, Captain Midnight is people, a stellar film. People were very blown away. If I can just talk about Pete, Pete for a second, the, the fact the that, robot director, the fact that he has a built-in camera is. Incredible! It is a shame that it's quite a low quality digital camera, and he does have to he use. He is a little outdated. He, he does, does have, have to use a normal camera. That's right. Yeah, he's, using, he's using IMAX film. That is yeah. true. Um, Captain Midnight has twists and turns everywhere you look. There's and that's, wonderful and, 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 cameos. And, yeah, and that's and the twists and turns aren't just because a lot of it's set on a highway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I? I loved this film, and I'm giving it three and a half captains. I thought this film was exceptional. Um, I thought the way uh, Katrina Can and her brother Cameron Can and his twin sister Katrina Katrina Can <laughs> performed in this movie as the same captain, and I thought the role of Midnight, played by Jesse Swatchewska, was incredible. Yeah. Well, it's not just in its subtlety, but in the way it moved me to get an erection, mm. but not a sexual erection. Mm. Yeah, rigor mortis. I was, it was like a rigor mortis erection. Yeah, it's like absolutely. I died, I'd got. I said an that. I, I leaned over to Broden while we were watching the film, and I said, "Mark's got an erection," mm. and Broden said. Um, oh, no, is he being a bit inappropriate? I said, no, it, it's like a dead man erection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I thought the performances were great, <laughs> I thought the midnight sequences were a little dark for me. They shot them at midnight with no lights. Yeah. So you really couldn't see but this is the, anything. As we said, it's the first time that Robot Director has directed well, it. English and what I heard is that he film. had he he turned on his robot camera. night vision. Night vision. Yeah. He put on night vision. I... Love robot director night vision. How many stars, Mark? I'm giving it one star. One star, which, which is, is worth, worth 
four, uh, four stars. stars. For me, uh, I don't think I'd be giving... I will, remember when he gave that film five stars. Oh, wow. Which is worth only one star. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. The, one the more stars, the less stars. It's but a the very less clear. stars. So if you gave something three stars, of course, that would mean... Three, three stars. Yeah. Because that's where it meets. It's, it's parody, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just sort of meets right Yeah, they in kind the of meet in the middle there. But it, it's funny. What's your review? Uh, look, I, I, for me, my biggest problem with the film... Uh, is in the third act. Uh, so I don't want to give away too much, but, but it's not giving away too much to say there are references to President Grimm hmm. in the third act. Is that fair to say? That's a spoiler. But well, not, I'm not saying whether President Grimm is in it, Yeah, but there are references... Well, it's hard because you see, like it is a spoiler, but for me, it spoiled the movie. Yeah, it spoiled my dinner. <laughs> it's, so yeah. when I am watching this film, I'm in the world of Captain Midnight. I'm feeling it, and then here comes Captain Grimm, of course, played magnificently by and the French actress And and I I was blown away by her performance, and then I just started thinking, wait a second, President Grimm on a highway. This isn't commuting. Sure. Unfortunately, so. five stars for me. Oh, sassy. Well, I've given it uh, three and a half stars. You've given... No, three and a half... Captains. 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 You gave it one star. One star, but that is four stars. Mm. Which I, doesn't... I, I don't understand that, but... Well, because it, to give it five stars, I'd have to give it a negative... Point right, five okay. stars. I'm not clear on the stars. It's like Fahrenheit Celsius. It doesn't match. It right, doesn't exactly. match exactly. It except at three. And three, you've given it five. Three, you've given it five stars. Yet many, it's one star. No, sorry, sorry to be. Uh, I should be clearer. It, it's five point one stars. So actually, uh, mm. that's a six star film. I loved it. Oh, I see. I see how it works. What, now, what did now? What did I? What did you guys eat before the film? Spaghetti. You Before had a whole plate of spaghetti? Yeah. I just had some of Broden's spaghetti. Yeah, because I remember... <laughs> I, was I, just, I was like, I'm not in the mood. Yeah. But he brought that. He I got the spaghetti. spaghetti. He got the main instead of the entree. He was like, I can't eat all this spaghetti. And I'm like, I'm looking at this spaghetti. I want some of that. Did you have one spaghetti? Like just a string, a string of spaghetti? I'm pretty sure you had four spaghettis. I, I remember <laughs> having a few spaghettis. Broden, uh, Broden didn't want to I had a lot of spaghetti. I had up like... 180 spaghettis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like this influences the movie. Like, how many spaghettis you have beforehand? I had a hot dog, which was <laughs> absolutely uh, devilish. Yeah. Devilish in its approach. Spicy. Poor oh, no. <laughs> it was gold. It was cool. It was like I had ice cubes in the in the meat. Oh. I've um, never had one. I only had... See, you had... The, I had spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, had, I, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had f- between four and 12 of his spaghetti. I had Spaghetti. yeah, and with a hon uh, with a hon dog, uh, you have to uh, uh, slurp it in one gulp. <laughs> yeah, which makes it hard. I love the film. I loved Captain Midnight. So uh, next film, let's play the Sting. I sure hope Tom. Next film, it's a little Sting. Zach has written a review for this one. Is that oh right? yes, uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> what can I say about the work? Of Varian Normbum that hasn't already been said. This controversial mm. Danish filmmaker has been pressing buttons since his debut in 1994 at the Krim Film Festival. 
He is uh, vivacious. Mm-hmm. He is dark. Mm-hmm. He is uh, exciting. Mm-hmm. And I loathe him. And he is a contemporary of Stephen, 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 Stevenson, Stevenson's. Absolutely. And which Pete, is Pete. fascinating because I thought, like, he, and if only I could remember his name. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, even, so, I don't even want to say it. Let's just... Them. It's funny that they're contemporaries because he is uh, 86 years old mm. and Stephen Stevens, Stephen is a boy. He's 12. 12 years old. <laughs> it's just incredible they're contemporaries. So uh, let's talk about his latest film. Yeah. Uh, the Kickin' Boy opens in, uh, in a carnival in 1932. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, we saw uh, two films both set in a similar era, which seems to be the, the style. It's the style at the moment. It's, just, yeah, it's in. It's in uh, Some would say it's in vogue. Well, the, this is really just the opening. There's two old uh, ladies um, uh, joined at the hip and deeply in love give birth, <laughs> give birth to the kicking boy. Fast forward to 2007. Here we go. Uh, mm. uh, the hot, hot Wall Street, uh, Wall Street sounds mm-hmm. of, and we discover that the kicking boy is now the hottest boy in Wall Street. Well, yeah, and the reason he's called the kicking boy is much like an action figure. He was born with a button on his the small of on his the back. small of his back, Just, and if you press it, yeah. he kicks so hard that he can kick. Any person's balls in. Yeah. So just for clarification for our audience listening, obviously him being born in 1935 means uh-huh. that the kicking boy at the time of most of this film is 72. He's well, uh, yeah, he's a young 72, is he, is which he, is an amazing right. performance because the actor, uh, I should say, the actor Jang. <laughs> He actually plays him for the entire stretch of the film. As a baby. Both of the first five minutes yeah. where he's What's, a baby and the yeah. rest of the film where he's 70-something years What's old. What's interesting about this film is there was another actor in it. Um, his name was uh, Pevin Sacy, mm. and he recorded most of the film, but mm. then it, he fucked some <laughs> And they had to replace him with a different actor. For me, this film was very silly. Too silly for me. Uh, I this was a film about time travel. It was a film about love. It was a film about cricket, which was awesome. Really I love unexpected. Cricket. The that, cricket that the sequence, uh, single take, yeah, blew my mind. But uh, big question, why? Would in real life, would they ever allow someone? I think they want to sell it to India. India loves cricket. But for me, that's where... Sell them a cricket film. It broke a logic for me because inherent in cricket is the uniforms. And Mm -hmm. cricket balls. And cricket balls are so important in cricket. So important. Cricket bats too. Why, Why would they let him play without wearing those, those gloves? Those gloves. 
I just uh, it just and he's a kicking boy. And I'm watching this film, right? We're travel. It's a breakneck pace of a film. You know, we're in 1932. Now we're in 2007 Wall Street. <laughs> the Crash Boys come into town and they start making lots of money for everyone. This is, of course, historical. The moment in 2007 when the Crash Boys came in and made lots of money for the tag everyone. Team wrestling guys. Yeah, they they came in and they said, "Hey, let's put more money on homes." And and everyone in all of America made lots and lots of money. Uh, we we see this. We see the personal in the epic. We see the history of the Crash Boys making everyone money, mm. but we also see Kick and Boy within that. And then all of a sudden, two and a half hours into this five-hour movie, <laughs> we have an hour-long sequence in a single take yeah. where it is, from my impression, it's literally just the actors playing cricket. Yeah. That's what I see is yeah. there's no I, character development. I, like, I thought that they had just accidentally left footage of them at lunchtime in the film at, at one point. They, no, they, they are talking deliberate. about the movie. Yeah, that's the weird thing is that they're going, what what scene are we shooting next? Um <laughs> What was what's for lunch today? For lunch? You see that you see you the like direct catering company. Yeah, the director is is pitching for most of the game. <laughs> Bowling, 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 yeah. bowling. And then at the end of the sequence, uh, I might be wrong, but it, it it looks a lot like the director walks up to the camera and goes, "Oh fuck, I left this on." <laughs> he says those words. It's yeah. so weird. I think I was then, deliberate. Then I realised the genius of it. Mm. That what they're doing on it's called miss on scene. I think that would okay. leave. I think yeah. <laughs> the genius of it. I think was. <laughs> I think the genius of it was that they were Levi's. Yeah. They, they were Levi's. He's got a point. What's this? Oh, they're either Levi or they were, you know, like, du jour, genies, genius. Genies. It's the genies of it. The genies of it. Um, a lot of Oscar buzz about this film. Who's yeah, but that's Oscar? mostly from bees. Well, absolutely. Oscar, Oscar has sorry, a lot of bees. Sorry, you need to clarify that for our cinema Absolutely, audience. sorry. So, uh, my friend Oscar has a lot of bees. <laughs> oh, right, okay. And uh, he went to see the movie, yeah. and while we were watching it, yes. uh, the bees got out and stung us all. I was legally dead for 20 minutes. Mm. Now, this negatively impacted on the film for me. But how can you blame Varian's filmmaking for you watching this near a beehive? Well, I blame Oscar. I blame that's Oscar. nothing to do with Varian's film, which is called... The Kickin' Boy. The, the Kickin' Kickin Boy. Boy. Which, uh, uh, a lot of talk that it might win some Grimbies. Oh, God, if this gets a Grimby, I will be so happy because the last Grimby went to that awful film, uh, Wood on the Wall, which was just, just off. It was. It was. Am I wrong in saying it was two and a half hours of a wood wall uh, and yeah. literally no uh, characters? And I don't want to. I don't want to like say too I much on this. But is 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 it not weird that such an old wood wall would have such a young coat of paint? It was right, very ask, strange. Can I ask you guys a question? When you put the movie on mm. that you got from the Grinsby people, yeah. mm. did you remember to press play or did you just let it sit on the first image of this two and a half hour film? Um. Did you watch a still image for two and a half hours? Well, I fell asleep about four hours into it. I okay. definitely... And, and, and the image hadn't changed. The film... So would you mean me, after that? 
No, I mean if you if you press play on the DVD that we were given by the Grimsby people, that it is a very moving film about a wall. Mm. Mm. I don't think I press play. I'll be honest with you. I actually looked at my own wall. I have a wood wall in my house. I didn't get the DVD. Well, there you go. Oh, what are you giving this film? Seven drums. Seven drums. Trums. 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 Can I give it ten drums? Yep. Yeah. I think, is ten drums about the same as seven trums? Depends on the conversion rate. Right. Depends on what right. time of year. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm giving it twenty-two fifty Australian dollars, which is the price I paid to see it. <laughs> okay. So you liked it? I would rather not say. Kicking I don't boys. want to offend... Anyone. Mark, this week you reviewed a very special film. Let's play The Sting. I did review a a very special film this week. It was... Boys, when you see a movie that afterwards, the movie, you go, I don't understand what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Sounds like the work of a very that? particular director. Who was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was that? What were they? Mm-hmm. But it was the best uh, movie. Mm-hmm. But you're Finally, going. You're we leaving. Agree. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're leaving the cinema. You're going. Oh, I'm, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck went down there. But you're like, but I know it was good. Yeah. You, you, I know that other people are going to like this. Um, I am, of course, talking about uh, the frig, the frigate, frigate in the apple. Lucky boy to review this one. I can't believe I got to see the frigate in the apple. Now, of course, the frigate in the apple uh, is a film about a woman and three billboards just outside of Ebbing, Missouri. they're just out the front of her house, and her daughter was murdered. And uh, she paints on the billboards three slogans that, that make the town just go crazy. Wow. Wow. What are you giving this film? Uh, this film, uh, The Frigate in the Apple. Uh, but there's more to the story. Did you, um, um, we, we, we can talk about it. Yeah, I want to hear more. Great. Mark? Mark? Yes. Sorry, I was, I was sorry. I was thinking about Ketchup. Which is an awesome director. Oh, I love Ketchup. I've not seen a bad Ketchup film. And he does different films. He does big superhero films. He does war films. He does, mm. you mm. know, mind mm. fuckery films. Yeah, he does my love. Sorry about the language. Fuck. I, love, uh, I love Ketchup. Yeah, sorry. Can you just say that line again? The mind fuckery line? Mind fuckery. Beep. We're in the clear. Great. So in uh, so there's the three billboards, but then, and then crazily enough, they're they're in the Big Apple. That's what the apple is referencing. They're in New York, right? And they're Am also right? quite <laughs> Am literally. I right? Am I right? They're and, in. New are York. they also in an apple? That well, was my understanding. No, no, yes. This is where the mind fuckery comes in. No, because no, no, but, but yes, but I don't think it's fair to say no. Are they in the apple? Yes. Zach, how many worms do you see in this movie? 
there was about 12 yeah. worms. Heaps. Yeah. More. I remember I said to Broden, because as it was playing, I said to fuck Broden, me. fuck me. <laughs> and he did. He fucked me. During the movie? Mm-hmm. Mm. And how did that add to your experience of watching the film? Good. Uh, yeah, it was well good for good him. Good movie. It was uh, good movie. It was for me. Were you satisfied? Um, it's a little bit awkward because Broden's in the room. Don't, I don't think Broden. Hell it doesn't yeah! Bother me. Woo! <laughs> Woo! I love movies. <laughs> I love. I love movies. So, I said to Broden, first you give me four spaghettis, and now this. Mm-mm. Well, the the biggest the biggest the biggest clue for me that it was set that they were in an apple, even mm. though it's never referenced. It's a little yeah. Go on. Is the worms that are moving constantly through the back of the picture, sometimes in front of the camera, and yeah. you can't really see what's going on. But the moment where they step out of the apple and you just and look at it and go and say, "We've been in an apple." <laughs> This whole movie, I love that for film. me, was the biggest giveaway. The other thing is, like, wherever, whenever they want to go from like one building to another or to like another person's house, mm. the fact that there's like a good twenty minutes of them munching, yeah, to yes. get there, yeah, to get out of it, yeah, way. yeah, yeah, they're gonna yeah. munch a tunnel. This is another yeah. thing. Do you want to know my biggest critique of this film that you named? Yep. Still, like a large portion of its cricket. Which is so weird that that is invoked. But they got to like if they want to throw a ball. Yeah, they've gone. Mun- they got to go. They go. So he goes. Hey, uh, throw the ball. He goes. Like, yeah, I'll munch a tunnel to you. Yeah. So he yeah, munches yeah. a tunnel. Yeah. To the bat. Yeah. A bunch. A bunch. My, a bunch. My, a bunch. My biggest problem with the cricket scene in the frigate and the apple, mm. if that's the name of the movie, yeah. I can't remember, is that it was the same scene, <laughs> the same cricket scene. Same footage. As in the, yeah. Different as, director. Yeah, com- no, but same foot, exactly the same. It was, they took that scene and put that's it in so this. so strange. It was an odd choice Crossover. by the director. Odd choice by the director. But I think potentially what they're doing is setting up a cinematic universe. Like Manung. Like Marnel. The Marnel Cinematic Universe. Oh. Oh. I love how the Ghostbusters are in it. <laughs> I, I just, can I, what are you giving this film? I am giving The Frigate and The Apple. Uh, ten Big Apples. Ten Big Great. Apples, Broden? I love it. I'm giving it a smack on the bottom. For me, uh, for me, it was one tunnel munching scene too many. Mm. I give it ran. Wow. All right. That is a hot. That is. Can you get higher than that? I don't. Well, I. No, it's your own reference point. It's your own measuring stick. But I don't think Zach has ever given a film a higher mark than that. I. I. For people who've never listened to our podcast before, as well, we know that you love the sound of someone typing, <laughs> just off microphone. Um, and so, what we always have in all of our podcasts is Sam in the corner writing an essay. We when get, he could do it outside the room. We get letters. We get we get so many emails just being like, keep up that fucking sound of someone doing other work <laughs> when they could be doing it elsewhere. Yeah, because let's let's just play just, a little bit of that for the kids at home now. Sam Lingham. Uh, I just want to say, no one's going to hear They can hear it on they our can't. microphones. We, we can hear it. No, you can't. I, I can hear typing in my headphones. Type, Sam. Now that to me <laughs> sounds like typing. That's because we've turned the microphone on. But-
But okay. you can hear it in our microphones. You can hear it through our microphones, and that's why we moved the microphone earlier, so we um, stop hearing it. Anyway. If, if, can I just say, if, uh, if you can hear the typing, <laughs> hashtag Sam, I could hear the typing. And then either hashtag... Sam loving the typing, or hashtag sad, Sam quit it with the typing. Because <laughs> we want your feedback. That's right. really important for us. Time for my review of the next film. Of course. Let's play the stick. <clears throat> Until seeing Penny Marshall's A League of Their Own, I had no idea that an organisation named the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League ever flourished in this country, even though I was 12 when it closed up shop and therefore of an age to collect Bob Feller and Robert Roberts baseball cards and listen to the Cardinals on the radio. The league was founded in 1943, when it briefly appeared that men's baseball would be a casualty of the war, and once the men came marching home, it's a wonder the league survived until 1954. Then it was consigned to oblivion. History is written by the victors. At the time, it seemed as if the Women's League might mean the financial survival of the major league baseball franchises and their Mm. owners. The movie gives us a Chicago candy bar mogul in the place of Wrigley's and shows his agent scouting the countryside for women who could play ball. In a rural area of Oregon, the scout finds two sisters, Dottie and Kit, Gina Davis and Laurie Petty. One who can catch and hit, the other who can throw but is a sucker for high fastballs. And he brings them back to Chicago for tryouts with a lot of other hopefuls, including would-be team members played by Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, and Megan Cavanaugh. And the then, movie is oh, a real bittersweet going. charm. The baseball sequences we've seen before. What's fresh are the personalities of the players, the gradual unfolding of their coach, and the way this early chapter of women's liberation fit into the hide-bound traditions of professional baseball. By the end, when the women get together again for their reunion, it's touching. The way they have to admit that whatever, what do you know, they really were pioneers. And I gave this film three baseballs. I um, very very odd review for planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but well written nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, uh, I'm so glad you liked it, Broden. For me, there was just too much uh, munching of tunnels. Mm. <laughs> I just, they just, I don't know what it is about filmmakers at the moment. I think ever since Paul Greengroy came onto the scene mm. with his uh, the Bam Supreme and Sam, uh, and and this was just a movie where Matt Damble, Bam and Sam, Matt Damble was munching tunnels the whole time, and now I can't watch an action film. Without characters munching tunnels from here to there, from go to woe. I can't see what's going on because it's, most yeah, of the image yeah, is Apple. It is frustrating that directors now are insisting on putting their films, setting their films inside edible, opaque, solid objects. Fruits. Fruits in particular. Sometimes cheeses. The worst is when they set it inside the pip. Of a stone fruit. Because you can't chew through that. Classic cinema, I can see. I can see what's going on. You know, when in the movies of Amber Damba Bam, I can see every single punch, kick, and slap. Everything. In this, I am literally looking at, at, at solid fruit for the bulk of the film. And the actors aren't small enough. To fit inside these pieces of fruit. They're just not small enough. 
Like, it doesn't work. And how? How? Uh, guys, you guys are on fuddy-duddies. You love your films like they were. We're traditionalists. I'm a traditionalist, that's true, but it was tradition because Be a futurist. it worked, Broden. There are great fruit-based movies coming out that you all, need to give a chance. Young I'm director, young robot directors. In the 80s, you would not set a film outside of underneath a pool. You just wouldn't do it. And that's when I grew up with loving movies. The Water Woman. Wet, wet, wet. <laughs> Can't get dry. <laughs> Never enough water. Where's Is a this, towel? Where's a towel? Is this chlorine or salt water? Too much chlorine. Oh, you've gone too far now. The if you're saying these are classics, the you just want to be a child again. You want to be taken back to your childhood when films were all set in pools. Okay, bro. It's not then. It's a different generation of kids who love fruit-based movies. I'm not set in pools, just shot in pools. I'm 87 years old. I'm 87 years old. So I have been I have been a part of this industry. I've been reviewing this industry since 1920. Okay, so I know this industry very, very well. I agree with you, Broden. The pool set years weren't the best years of cinema. Oh, but fuck off! No, but Mark, it had two things of value. One, water is transparent. I could see what was you going on. You can see! It's Not if it's murky. frozen. Not if it's frozen. Not if it's yeah, frozen. And no. also, fruit is mostly water. It's true, but it is opaque, Broden. I cannot see anything. And two, if I may, number two, people can move through water with a relative degree of ease. You can have a movie go for two hours and most of the things hey, happen. Zach, in the 60s, a little band you might have heard of, they came from Germany. They worked, they played every night in Germany. And then they made a couple of songs that took the world by storm. You may have heard of them. They're called the Beeples. No I know, one might, them. I know did, them. What was people's feedback of the Beeples? They were munching tunnels through fruit. Okay, yes. They would go inside fruit. They People would munch a loved, tunnel through the fruit. The kids loved the Beeples. But I didn't like that then, and I don't like it in cinema. So you've got a problem with the Beeples. I have a problem with, with, with people munching tunnels. I, they, you've made that abundantly clear on, on popcorn junkies. Boys, we love to disagree. I mean, that's, that's, what, makes why, that's what makes this interesting. If we all agreed, it would be boring. Boring. Boring podcast. I love and respect you for your opinion. Mm. Uh, I just want to say thank you hey, so much. And good luck at the cinema this week, everyone. Uh, to you two <laughs> and to our listeners. Good uh, luck. Next week, next week, it is the 5,000th episode of Popcorn. <laughs> and thank you for Junkies. making us one of the highest downloaded iTunes uh, podcast after Marin and uh, Joe Rogan yeah. and Serial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We love... Uh, uh, we love movies um, and, Fruit And do check out our spin-off uh, Spin-off uh, podcast Sport Boys uh, <laughs> Where we, we talk all things sport uh, yeah. uh, in fact, I, we do have an interview with Gribibu, uh, who plays an amazing game. I think one of the most exciting players of Slam. 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 We've He's ever magic. seen. So anyway, that's over have on Have a great Sport week at the Boys. cinema and have, have a great, week. great munch of that popcorn. Munching that popcorn up. <laughs> Not tunnels. <laughs> You've been listening to the Auntie Donna podcast. Thanks for joining us for another RIP episode brought to you by AuntieDonnaClub.com. See you next week.